Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 72, Learning to Control Your Mind. It's October 27th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, podcaster, and so on. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. learning to control your mind. I know some of you are wondering, like, is that even really possible? Is that really a thing? Well, I've got news for you. Yes, it's a thing. Yes, it's possible. And yes, there's actually a variety of different techniques that you can use to gain facility and control over your mind. And of course, it's very freeing to be able to be in charge of your mind and and your and your life that way. And this is a podcast that's going to be especially helpful if you tend towards negative thinking, overthinking, brooding, ruminating, catastrophizing, worrying, or you have anxiety or depression. So, let's dive in. What am I going to cover today? Well, what I'm going to cover is what I mean by learning to control your mind. I'm going to give you some ideas of some of the other techniques. I'm going to talk about being present, neuroplasticity of the brain, the power of creating your life, your subconscious and unconscious mind, going down the rabbit hole, being stuck or trapped, self-awareness, focusing on happiness, What's love got to do with it? Affirmations, reward systems, signs, and master lists. And then I'm going to give you some additional suggestions for getting control of your mind or learning to control your mind and then some call to actions and takeaways. All right. So if you happen to be new to my content, I hope you're going to visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com to enter my current giveaway. Actually, currently I have two, but one's going to end in December because I love giving away free stuff. I started early. It I really works for me. I enjoy it. People enjoy it. So I do what makes me happy. Now, if you're new to my content, and even if you're not, uh, every podcast and all my stuff can, includes a disclaimer. What's important for you to know is that I'm not a medical health care professional or a therapist in any way. And you should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I am not. Next, if you're feeling hopeless, if life is too hard for you, or you're too overwhelmed, or you're thinking of harming yourself, I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. What I'm asking you to do is to talk about it, tell people, and ask for help because we do have help available. It just might not be from the people that you'd like to help you. But get in action. If you need to post it on social media, so be it. But get the help because it's available. All right, now, 
what do I mean by learning to control your mind? Because this is definitely not something that we talk about. We do not sit around talking about how we've learned to be have self-mastery or self-discipline. All the stuff I talk about are things we typically don't talk about, but I think that they they we should be talking about them and they're important. So here's the thing. There are many people who are at the whim of life. They're at the whim of their emotions. They're at the whim of whatever happens to them. They're not in the driver's seat of their life. They're not driving their life. And this is true for your mind. Some people don't recognize that they actually could control their mind, that they could control what's happening in their brain. And that just might seem like really crazy or over the top to you if you're new to this idea. But when I go through the next section, which is existing techniques we know that will help you learn to control your mind, I think you'll see, oh, yeah, there's probably, oh, mm, yeah. So this podcast will be especially helpful if you tend to be a negative thinker or you get into brooding or ruminations or negative thinking or catastrophizing or overthinking or, you know, that type of thing. And it's going to be a little harder for you because you've got this uh, swirling vortex of things that are going on for you that might make it a little bit more difficult. Now, I just did a podcast about loving your imperfections and that podcast, all of my podcasts will help you. That one will help you as well. But, you know, you're going to have immense freedom and power in your life when you're in the driver's seat, not only of your emotions, but of your thoughts and behaviors and all of that stuff. So it might take a little patience. So if you don't tend to be a patient person, then this is something that you can grow, which is not a bad thing. And there's actually nothing magical about this. There's actually nothing magical about the things that I talk about in my podcast. I did do a podcast about having a magical life and you can have a magical life if you're willing to take the actions and make the effort and do the work. But it takes practice and it takes a willingness and it takes a bunch of different things, but it's not like a like descend on you and now you know how to control your thoughts and your mind and your emotions. No, that's not how it works. Anyway, so let me give you some ideas of techniques that are, have been around forever that are used to help people learn to control their mind. So we can start with, I'm just going to read off the list because there's quite a few. Biofeedback, cognitive behavioral therapy, conditioning, desensitization, visualization, setting goals and taking actions, meditation or mindfulness, psychotherapy, increasing or boosting your coping skills and mechanisms, living in the now, journaling. I mean, that's a list of, of several different options. And they've, and, and, you know, I think prayer and prayer is not there, but prayer I think was in, listed in the research. So there are many different ways where you can begin to learn how to control your mind. There's not one, and there's not one right way. You have options. I'm going to be talking about different techniques and actions that you can take to learn this skill set. And it is a skill set, 
and you know, it's a muscle you're going to have to grow, you're going to have to practice it. So I do think it's extremely important because too many people or so many people like they, they've lost control of their life. They get into just brooding and ruminating and, you know, they have low self-esteem. So getting control of your mind and learning to control your mind, there's going to be a bunch of different things involved, which is why this might be one of my longer podcasts, but it's going to be valuable. It's going to be very helpful. So one of the first things that you can learn to do or grow over time is what's called being present. So you might not know what I mean by being present because quite frankly, I never heard the term till like two, it's like 2008 or 2009. And um, so what, so what happened was I was with a group of people and we were chatting and someone said something about being present and, and it was like, oh, yeah, be present, being present. And I'm like, what, what is that? What, what does that mean? Like, I'd never heard be present. I had never heard the term being present. I had no idea on the face of the earth what they were talking about. So I said, what does that mean? What do you mean? I don't know what that is. And they started laughing hysterically. I mean, it was just, they just laughed so hard. And I sat there not knowing why they were laughing, of course. Of course, I am usually the last one to get a joke, so I'm kind of used to that. Um, So they stopped laughing, and I said, no, like, really, what is that? And, you know, a few more giggles, and I finally said, well, Lisa, you know, that's how you walk around in life. You are present all the time. You are like the master of being present. I was like, well, okay, but that still doesn't help me. Like, I still don't know what you're talking about. They're like, well, you do it all the time. I'm like, well, I do it all the time, but what am I doing? Because I had no idea. So the idea, the concept of being present is when you are in the moment. You are right here, right now. You are not distracted by your thoughts. You are not thinking about some thing that happened yesterday or something you have to do tomorrow you are right in the moment like you're just in the moment right here and right now I don't know how I learned to do that by the way it's probably because I sat on the porch and talked to old people when I was young for years I mean I really I'm really not sure how I learned that skill or when I developed it but probably was sitting on the porch talking to old people. But anyway, so the more current terminology you may have heard is mindfulness. And really that's another term for learning how to control your mind is mindfulness. So, you know, there's books and, and things written about it. But when you are being present, let's say you're talking to someone, you're having a conversation, you are just in the moment, you're just listening to them. You're not pre-thinking, oh, what am I going to say next? Oh, how am I going to respond to them? Oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? What happened yesterday? You are just being with them. You are just in the moment with them, which, by the way, is magical. And by the way, when you when you are just being present with someone, you you time stands still. It's like, it's like so amazing. 
which of course is one of the reasons why my life is magical, even though people wouldn't say that my life is magical. So learning to be present is a skill set that will take some time to practice and build, but it's amazing. So it's one of the big things, which is why I have it first, that will help you. Because to be present, you are going to learn how to quiet the chatter and quiet the noise that's in your head. You know, most of us all have thoughts that are, you know, coming to us and, and you know, a barrage of thoughts. And there, but like you really can learn to control those and being present besides feeling rich and giving you connections and making time stand still, you know, it's really going to be one of the most powerful things you can do to learn to control your mind. It's actually kind of a sign that you've mastered that because you've turned off the chatter and the thoughts and whatnot, and you're just being in that moment doing whatever you're doing or being with whoever you're being or, you know, with or whatever. All right. So that's being present. Put that on, put that on your list. And at least now if you hear about it, people, <laughs> you can have some chuckles. All right. So the next thing I want to mention, because I'm talking about learning to control your mind and some people, well, are going to go, yeah, that's really not possible. Well, it actually is possible not just because of the other techniques I, I listed in a, a few minutes ago, but because of neuroplasticity of the brain. And that's an amazing field of science that tells us that the brain is changeable. It's kind of like plastic. That's why they call it neuroplasticity. I have a podcast that talks more about it, but basically you can teach an old dog new tricks and you can learn to do new things over time with intentional actions. So of course, you can learn to control your mind if you take the, the intentional actions over time. So this is not, oh, tomorrow, oh, next week. It's, it's going to be intentional actions, intentional actions, intentional actions. And over time, your brain is going to build new neuronal pathways, you know, through neuroplasticity, and you will learn to control your mind. So it's important to me that you understand that this is based in science, that we know that you can learn anything, but particularly controlling the mouth, your mind. Now, another thing that's going to be very powerful while you're on this journey to control your mind is creating your life. Now, I, I have a podcast that I'll be doing very soon coming up on creating your life. This is not how most people live. They just don't live life that way. They live life like letting life happen to them and going with the flow. And if they meet the love of their life, great. If they don't, oh well. And, you know, they just kind of like go through life methodically, not driving it, not creating it. And if you started creating your life, and setting goals and doing the whole uh, process of creating your life, that's not only going to be powerful and help you be happy and all the good stuff, but it is going to be one of those things that will be very helpful to you in learning to control your mind. 
So that's an upcoming podcast that will help you. But just understand, it is a very, very significant tool in learning to control your mind. Because you're going to, hopefully, the idea of creating your life is you're going to create it to be amazing. (laughs) Create this like, oh my gosh, pinch me kind of life. Okay, that's what I do. That's what I've done my whole life. And yes, it's been magical. Yeah, and I'm still creating. Like, yeah, well, wait for that podcast. But anyway, the next thing that is very helpful for you in learning to control your mind is understanding your subconscious and unconscious mind and the role that it plays in your thinking. I have a whole entire podcast devoted to your subconscious and unconscious mind, and I'm not going to repeat that because I already have a podcast on that. But when it comes to your thoughts and your mind, you have access to basically 10% of your mind, which is your conscious mind. Then you have 90% of your mind, which is your subconscious and unconscious mind, that you don't typically have access to or control over. And so when you're learning to control your mind, so here you have control over 10% and you don't have control over 90%, but you're going to overwrite that 90% that you can't access. And, And I don't know if you don't know very much about your subconscious and unconscious mind, this might be sounding like garbly gook or sounding like too freaky, but you can overwrite your subconscious and unconscious mind. Just suffice to say, for this podcast, I am going to be talking about affirmations, and they are one of the ways you can overwrite your subconscious and unconscious mind. That's where a lot of your thoughts come from. That's where things bubble up to your conscious mind. You know, it's where a lot of negativity, very bad stuff is I hate to say it, for most people, most of us, it's really not good stuff in your subconscious and unconscious mind. So you can overwrite that even though you don't have access to it. So that podcast will help you understand that. But that's one of the kind of things that's going on with your mind and where thoughts come from, which is why I think it's important. Now, I want to talk about going down the rabbit hole. So sometimes... Uh, until you learn how to control your mind, you end up going down the rabbit hole, like the Alice Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole, where something happens and you get tanked. You're, you know, whether it's something bad or upsetting or sad or something that makes you angry, something bad happens, happens and you're tanked. You're on the couch, you're just not functioning well, you're really upset, and This is why it's important to learn how to manage your emotions and take intentional actions like flipping the switch on your emotions because you, this is you learning how to control your life and your thinking. So it's very, very, very important that you learn once you go down the rabbit hole you can take an intentional action, I call it flipping the switch on your emotions, to pull yourself out. And it's very good for your brain. If you do flipping the switch on your emotions, which I have a video on, I actually, my first Newsweek article on newsweek.com is about boosting your mood through flipping the switch. I've written about that a lot. 
but you know you go down the rabbit hole and unless you have learned how to control your mind and your emotions you know you you lose valuable time and you're like upset for days or a week or more because your emotions are powerful so you go down the rabbit hole pull yourself out with an intentional action like flipping the switch on your emotions and every time you do that your brain is learning your brain is learning oh well when i feel sad like okay don't eat a whole carton of ice cream you feel sad go some music or you're going to go take a walk or you're going to text a friend or you're going to do something positive and healthy and that is, is training your brain and helping you on this journey of learning to control your mind like really seriously because your emotions are like a predominant uh, commandeering facet of life it's just we mostly don't have high emotional intelligence so we we don't we aren't good at regulating our emotions and managing and processing them well I'm very very good at that but, um, the general population is not so so you don't want to go down the rabbit hole but that's what people do so you go down the rabbit hole because you get upset or depressed or angry or you know then take an intentional action to flip the switch on your emotions and pull and get right out of the rabbit hole all right next I want to talk for a moment about people who are feeling trapped or stuck because there are people who feel trapped and stuck and there are actually people who are trapped and stuck and I mean they are trapped and stuck and I know this from my own life because sometimes there are circumstances not within your purview or control that you did not create but you're still having to deal with them so here's what happens you know people go through life and so then they're dealing with the difficult emotions sadness anger resentment betrayal and sometimes for some people that builds up so what whatever emotions you have that you don't deal with they don't disappear they do not magically float away they lay in wait for you oh yes I, I found this fascinating in the research that we know that emotions you don't process and deal with lay in wait and sometimes later in life they can explode like literally explode and because it's pent up built up emotions over years or decades you know you don't know what happens so you feel trapped you feel stuck you can't feel happy you know you're dissatisfied with life and unhappy and depressed and you don't know why and it could be for some people it's the culmination of years or decades of emotions that just haven't been dealt with and and so that's why some people feel stuck or trapped now another reason is because they're in an abusive relationship and they really are in a dangerous situation and and that's why they're st stuck or trapped because oftentimes abusers will make threats and they can be dangerous but I do have a podcast on dangerous people um, and some other podcasts that'll help you if you're feeling stuck or trapped because you're in an abusive or toxic marriage or relationship but there are other people who feel stuck or trapped and they can't figure out why 
because they have a good job or they have a nice family or, you know, like on the surface, they have lots to be happy about, but they're not happy. And I really have to mention that for some people who feel stuck or trapped, it's not because of an incident that just happened or happened in the last year. It could be the culmination of any number of things that happened that the emotions for which did not get processed. And I think that's really important because I, you know, I work with enough people to know that this does happen and it happens more than you might think. So if you're feeling stuck or trapped, there's lots of things that are going to be helpful. One of them is movement. You have to take action. Now, oftentimes when people feel stuck or trapped, I mean, I'm assuming that if it's, if it's not an abusive relationship, if it is, that's a big problem. And my other podcasts, we'll start with them. But if you are in an abusive relationship, you've got to really focus on taking care of yourself and grow like crazy. Grow all of your skills, grow all of your abilities, because that will help you counterbalance the negative. But oftentimes when people are feeling stuck or trapped, there are emotions that are at play that are difficult and we rarely talk about. We rarely talk about jealousy. We don't often talk about shame or embarrassment or fears or rejection or ego or pride. We just don't talk about a lot of those things. So if you're feeling trapped or stuck, it could be because you have a buildup of emotions that haven't been dealt with. And you might have to do something radically different. You might have to ask for help or support. I mean, you just might have to do something. But when you're trapped or stuck, you know, what's called for is movement and and an opening. And sometimes you might have to talk to other people to get some freedom. And like, why are you feeling trapped or stuck? So I just have to mention that. All right. And, you know, stay the course. Like, If you stay the course, you'll get whatever you want to accomplish done eventually. Now, the role of low self-esteem. Low self-esteem affects 85% of the population, and it's a big problem. And it's particularly a big problem in learning to control your mind because, number one, low self-esteem is the lens or the filter that you look at everything in life through. It's kind of like your perspective on life. So I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Nothing I ever do is right. All of those kinds of assessments from someone who has low self-esteem, that, that's their perception of life. So everything that happens is filtered through I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, etc. And it's a hard problem to have. And you don't you're not stuck with that. You can actually grow and build self-esteem, which I highly recommend. But in the role of learning to control your mind, here's what happens with a significant number of people who have low self-esteem. They kind of Well, it's kind of like it's the swirling vortex where they have low self-esteem and then because they have low self-esteem, they might be prone to negative thinking, overthinking, worrying, anxiety, depression. So it kind of feeds on itself and becomes a vicious cycle or the swirling vortex. And that can be a little challenging. Actually, it's a lot challenging. So if you have low self-esteem, 
that's something you can build through other activities and it might make it a little more difficult than someone who doesn't have low self-esteem to learn how to control your mind because it's just kind of like the perfect match. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm a worthless piece of doo-doo. Uh, nobody likes me. You know, like the thoughts that people have who have low self-esteem are, are painful. They're terrible. And so people with low self-esteem, they don't feel good about themselves. And everything gets filtered through that. So you want to build self-esteem and you want to understand while you're learning to control your mind, it's kind of like a complication that you have to deal with. So work on growing your self-esteem because that will help you feel amazing. Next, I want to mention self-awareness. So I already talked about your emotions, but self-awareness is the springboard or the starting point or the foundation of emotional intelligence. And it's wildly important because, you know, if you have a cognitive distortion or a flawed perspective, then you're not looking at the world properly through uh, true reality. So let's say I just mentioned low self-esteem. So someone with low self-esteem is thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm terrible, when they actually might be very, very highly skilled at doing X, Y, or Z. But their self-esteem, their low self-esteem is, is, is falsely telling them they're not good, when they might be a master. Like You see this in all kinds of areas, like artists who do beautiful work who think, oh, my art's terrible. That's their low self-esteem talking because you know their art is beautiful, but they can't see their art is beautiful when they're looking at it through low self-esteem. So getting on the road to self-awareness is extremely valuable in learning how to control your mind. It's valuable in every area. So, you know, this is going to be part of learning to control your mind is starting to become awake and aware of who you are, how you are in life, and and get a, like a short up true reality, not a false reality. All right, next I suggest that you focus on happiness. When you're working on, let's say, growing your self-esteem, or which you don't work on self-esteem per se, you work on other things. So, so focusing on happiness will help you if you have low self-esteem. Focusing on happiness will also, by the way, help you learn to control your mind. Yes, it will. So your brain likes it when you're happy. Your body likes it when you're happy. You like it when you're happy. And guess what? Pretty much everybody else, unless there's some evil monster, pretty much everybody else in your life also likes it when you're happy. I mean, like, except for monsters and evil bad people, of course people like it when you're happy. And happiness can be very addictive because the more you put happiness in your life and the more you grow your skills for happiness, the less you're going to tolerate BS. The less you're going to tolerate bad treatment, the less you're going to tolerate abuse, the less you're going to tolerate things that make you unhappy. Because why would you do that? I don't know. So you want to get on the road to happiness. I have oh, three-part podcast series on a crash course in happiness. All my stuff really is designed to move you to happiness. 
And while you're on the road to growing your skills and abilities and learning to control your mind, this is going to be very powerful. You will learn to switch the, flip the switch on your emotions, take intentional actions instead of going down the rabbit hole, and you want to put happiness in your life wherever you can. Now, you could have really, really awful, awful circumstances, and you can still learn to be happy. I know about that. I know all about having terrible, terrible, awful circumstances. Oh, yes, I do. And I would talk about more of them, but some of them are just too dangerous to talk about. So there you go. So make a list of what makes you happy and start putting that in your life. You're not going to know what makes you happy. Don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Just get going to figure out what makes you happy. Of course, you're going to bump into all the stuff that makes you unhappy while you're trying to figure out what makes you happy. Well, that's good because you're going to avoid doing that. You're going to stop doing some of that stuff. And this is definitely powerful in learning how to control your mind. All right. So what's love got to do with it? Well, love has everything to do with life. You know, like, in fact, it's probably the absence of love and the absence of affection that has given 85% of the population the painful condition of low self-esteem. Like love is the most precious, precious emotion we have as being human, as human beings. It is like the kingpin of emotions. So sometimes what you can focus on besides happiness is making yourself be well loved and having love in your life. They did they did a uh, this woman researcher named Marion Diamond. She was actually considered to be the mother of neuroplasticity of the brain. She had her lab assistants uh, or her staff do uh, an experiment with rats in the lab, and they simply took the rats out of the cages, petted them talked nicely to them, kind of loved on them. They called it, you know, TLC, tender loving care. And because of that, the rats' uh, brains grew, had neuroplastic gains, and the rats lived, uh, had a lifespan that was 50% longer. So perhaps for some of you, all that's missing is being well-loved or having love, which could be platonic love or it could be romantic love or it could be allowing the love that's already in your life allowing yourself to feel it like I don't know but being well loved and having love in your life is going to go a long way to helping you have an amazing life and it's certainly going to be very helpful in learning how to control your mind so be well loved and bring love into your life. I mean, it's very fascinating what they're looking at relative to love. So next I'm going to talk about affirmations. So first of all, affirmations have been written about since uh, 1500 to 1000 BC. So it's got a long, long history of being used, written about, all kinds of stuff. It's very old, not new. You might not have heard of it before, but it's, if anything that's from 1500 to 1000 BC is old, obviously. And there are people who will say, oh, affirmations don't work, they're baloney. Yeah, I'm going to say those people really don't understand neuroplasticity of the brain 
or modern neuroscience because modern neuroscience proves that affirmations work. So what do I mean by an affirmation? Well, an affirmation is a statement or a declaration that you pick that you, or you design or you write or you find on the internet that calls to your heart or addresses an issue or solves a problem or, you know, puts you on the right path. So for example, uh, I have a couple examples here. I am very lovable and I deserve love. I am lovable and a great love is coming my, into my life. I am worthy of good things in life. I'm deserving of happiness and life's treasures. And life is giving me an abundance of love, joy, and happiness. You, you, there's a ton of stuff on the web about affirmations. One of the early writers, not early, like 1500 to 1000 BC, but uh, from the early 1900s is Florence Scovel Shin, who wrote a book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. She actually wrote several other books uh, in like 1925. And you can find her book still for sale on the internet pretty inexpensively. And you can even find a website that lists some of her affirmations. So you want to learn to control your mind. That's what this podcast is about. And you don't have access to these thoughts, these just thoughts that just pop into your mind coming from your subconscious and unconscious mind, by the way, which you don't have access to. So you want to engage in reprogramming what's in that subconscious and unconscious mind, which you can do. Now, affirmations are not the only technique. No, they're not. But affirmations are easy. They're free. They're effective. So why not? Or you could do some other technique, but you want to, when you're learning how to control your mind, you want to, in my opinion, use affirmations Every time you have a negative thought, every time something unpleasant comes to mind, and you will start training your mind that you're in control. Now, will those thoughts from your subconscious and unconscious mind ever stop? Well, no, they're not going to stop. But here's the thing. The more you use affirmations and the more you get in the driver's seat, the more you have control over your emotions and the more you're controlling your life, you're going to be dictating. Like if you get yourself creating an amazing life, you're going to be too busy to be ruminating. I mean, seriously, if you're up to something, how much time do you have to ruminate? Well, I don't know. But affirmations can be wildly helpful. The other thing I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend on the road to learning to control your mind is setting up a reward system. Change isn't easy. People don't like change. People typically flee from change. Like change is like nails on a chalkboard. So set up a reward system. I have an article on my newsweek.com expert forum profile page you can find through my website or through Newsweek expert forum page that talks about a reward system using the analogy of, of, of leveling up like gamers do. But make it fun. You want to support change. You want to stay in the game to learn to control your mind. And things are going to thwart you. Your nasty, unconscious, subconscious mind and your inner critic are two of them, by the way, that are going to tell you, oh, you can't learn to control your mind. Like, listen, the stuff that your inner critic says to you is just terrible. It's nasty. 
It's nasty, nasty stuff. And some of the stuff in your subconscious mind is equally as nasty. So you want to triumph over your inner critic and your subconscious and unconscious mind. So have a reward system. Make it fun. Make the rewards fun. If you can't, if you have no self-discipline and you know that, you might have to have someone else parcel out the rewards for you. But get some support and, and make it fun. The next thing I suggest is making signs and having a master list. Listen, we it's easy for us as human beings to forget what we're up to because life kind of has this lull to it and people get caught up in the drift of life. So if you are going to deal with your low self-esteem, it would be helpful to have signs that say, hey, you're the best. Hey, you're lovable. Or signs that say, I'm lovable and amazing. I mean, it's not going to hurt you to have some really cool signs and you could have fun making them. And have a master list of what you're up to, even if it's small goals. You can still, you know, make a master list of like washing and waxing your car or, you know, mending this or cleaning out that. I mean, like, you don't have to be out to change the world. But, you know, lists and signs are going to help you. They serve as structures to reinforce what you're committed to. And I highly, highly recommend them. Because if you're going to learn to control your mind, you're going to need every trick in the book. Because part of your inner critic and part of your subconscious unconscious mind is probably not going to like it. They like, they like running all over you. All right, so I'm going to give you now just a couple more suggestions in helping to learn how to control your mind. So one of them, the first one is to assess your coping strategies and mechanisms for life. Because this would, this would be like the perfect time to, you know, boost your coping strategies and coping mechanisms for life. And hopefully although not likely, but hopefully self-care is like one of your big coping mechanisms or strategies for life because self-care is wildly important. If you're not going to take care of yourself, then who are you leaving that job to? Your kids, your family, like some strangers? Like, no, you want to take care of yourself and that should be one of your coping strategies. And, and that's, there's a lot involved in that. I have a whole podcast on self-care and self-compassion. But you want to start doing that every day. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. And that's a good, healthy strategy or coping mechanism for life. And, and tame your inner critic. Listen, that inner critic is so nasty. And it's a journey to tame your inner critic. I know it's a journey because I took the I took the journey, which I talk about in that podcast and with the help of my kids. Thank goodness they were young and loved it. So st- take a moment as you begin and take a look at your coping strategies for life. What are they? And give them a boost. Self-care, self-compassion, growing your emotional abilities. There's a ton of things you could have. Next, I suggest that you commit and be all in. Like, you know, if you're going to commit half-heartedly, what are you going to get? Well, I don't know, probably not much, but you might get something. But commit and be all in. 
Next, take people with you. Take people with you and make it wildly fun. Why not? Because you want to suffer and have a terrible life? Because you want your mind to just run the show? You want you, you want to fall down the rabbit hole every week and just be miserable? Hey, if that's the kind of life you want, go have it. Have at it. But it's not going to feel good, and it's not going to be attractive, and it's not going to leave you happy. So commit and be all in and get people and take them with you because everybody else on the planet has things they can grow and develop and almost everyone needs a boost of happiness and all the good stuff. So take people with you. Make your happiness a priority because that's good for you. It's good for the people in your life. It's good for people in the world. It's good for society. There's nothing negative about it. Uh, next, if love is missing, put love in your life. Now, I know this is a little harder for a lot of people because, you know, love involves being vulnerable and trusting, and those are issues that people have. I understand that. I really do. But love is powerful, and you want to have love in your life, and it will be helpful in learning to control your mind to have love surrounding you. Set goals and start taking actions. Put up signs to remind you where you're going. Like, yes, I mean, I have laminated signs from, from a long time ago. I almost got rid of them when I was cleaning stuff out. And I'm like, no, these are pretty, these are pretty precious. I mean, I, I don't use signs. I still use a master list, but I don't use signs anymore because things have changed. And flip the switch on your emotions every time you fall down the rabbit hole and you're not feeling good or you're happy or angry or upset, you're sad, you're mad, whatever. Take an intentional action designed to boost your mood and feel better every time because it works. And then really put on your list to learn to be present, to be in the moment. To breathe in the moment, to be right here, right now, not thinking about tomorrow, not thinking about yesterday, just be present or be mindful. So those are your suggestions for learning to control your mind. I could say a lot more, but I'm trying to keep all my podcasts to under an hour. So here's your takeaway. It's time for you to learn and recognize that you actually could learn to control your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors in a way you never have before. And takeaway number two, it's time to recognize you're going to have to get on the path of growth and development if you want to learn to control your mind, which I hope you do, because it's the goal, it's the growth and development is the access to love and all the good stuff. And the last takeaway is it's time to recognize, it's time to get a team, a posse, and make the journey fun because you can. So for my call to action, I'm calling you to get on the road of growth and development because you can. I'm asking you to get some people and take them with you, make some parties, events, themes. Oh, oh my gosh, it's just like crazy how much fun you can have. And lastly, share this podcast on social media because other people have the same issue and this would be helpful to them. All right, take care. Hang in there. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 72, 
learning to control your mind. I know, it's such a novel idea. I hope you're going to get into action and start learning how to do that because it's pretty cool. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And of course, I hope you're going to visit my website and enter my giveaway to win some free stuff. Hang in there for now. You got this. Love you. Bye.